come. They told me, pum 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 pum. A newborn king to see, pum 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 pum. Our finest gifts we bring, pum 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 pum. Rum pum pum pum. Rum pum pum pum. To lay before the king, pum 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 pum. Rum pum pum pum. So to honor him, pum 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 pum. When we come. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first round of podcast as we count down the top players at each position in the Cardinal system. Uh, I am your host. I am Kyle Reese. For Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. Look, I'm never good at trying to chronicle exactly what we're doing here. Uh, but what I'm trying to do is provide you with a podcast version uh, of the write-up version of the position rankings uh, within the system. The way we're going to do it is today we'll give you the starting pitchers. Tomorrow we'll give you the drafted pitchers. The day after that, the relief pitchers. And then honestly, after that, I haven't decided. I feel like I had a schedule, but I don't think I did. Uh, so that's where we're at. Look, these are completely and obviously uh, my rankings. Uh, when we get to the Dirty 35, and I'm glad we're starting with the starting pitchers because it'll give you a better idea of what I'm saying here. But when we get to the Dirty 35, you'll see that this isn't necessarily the order that these players will be on the Dirty 35. You know, we're going to get into Jake Woodford, and I don't have him as the best starting pitcher available uh, as we rank our starting pitchers. I have him down on the list, but more than likely, he's going to be ahead of the other guys on the list. Uh, when I do this, I tend to be a little bit more subjective uh, as compared to trying to be as objective as possible during the Dirty 35 ranking. This just gives me a chance to tell you about the guys that I like and uh, to describe them a little bit more in detail. You know, it's it's an interesting thing for me to be able to provide this for you. Uh, I ended up doing a total of 80 write-ups, which means that we're going to be talking about at least 80 players. There are also four additional players that I mentioned that don't really get a write-up, uh, and we'll talk about them as well. So over the next eight days, as we break up the positions into tiers and positions to rank, uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about. So that's my preface to our position rankings within the Cardinals organization, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and start with the starting pitchers. We have two graduates in the starting pitchers, uh, Henesis Cabrera, left-handed pitcher, and right-handed pitcher Ryan Helsley. Uh, I'm just going to list the list, and then we'll go over them individually uh, after I do it. Number one on our list is Angel Rondon. Number two on our list is Johan Oviedo. Number three on our list is Griffin Roberts. Number four on our list is Jake Woodford. Number five on our list is Alvaro Cejas. Now, after that, we have about a hundred guys uh, that are honorable mentions. They are left-handed pitcher Evan Krichinski. Right-handed pitcher Tommy Parsons, right-handed pitcher Alex Fagalde, left-handed pitcher Stephen Gendry, right-handed pitcher Francisco Justo, right-handed pitcher Michael Baird, right-handed pitcher Perry Delavelle, or I believe it's Delavella, the A and the E in the last part of it flip, and uh, pitcher Dalton Roach. Uh, one other pitcher that we mentioned 
doesn't really get a write-up is Anthony Hsu. So we'll just get right into it. Uh, as you know, the graduates, we're talking about left-handed pitcher Henesis Cabrera and right-handed pitcher Ryan Helsley. Now, you guys know I'm the biggest fan of Helsley. Uh, I believe that he should be competing for a starting spot uh, in the rotation. I like him better than I like Dakota Hudson. Dakota Hudson had a successful 2019 season, but he doesn't have this the stuff that Ryan Helsley has. He's, you know, Helsley is electric. We know about the 98 mile an hour fastball. We know at the major league level, pitching out of the bullpen, Yachty is pretty well stuck with the fastball cutter combo. And I'm here to tell you that his changeup and his curveball are weapons that need to be used more, and the Cardinals would do well to use more. We also know that Yachty isn't exactly excited about using a third or fourth pitch uh, with the relievers, as we've seen with Jordan Hicks. Uh, we saw his overuse of going to the two seamer with, with Dakota Hudson. Uh, but it's something that he's going to have to adapt to and something that they'll finally be able to take advantage of, hopefully, in 2019. Now, what role, role Ryan Helsley has, uh, we'll see. More than likely, he's at the back end of the bullpen. But uh, his arm is good enough with a repertoire that's good enough to be a starting pitcher. Which moves us to Henesis Cabrera, uh, the lefty, the big-armed lefty. And before we get into Henesis as a pitcher, I just want to say one more time that Yes, Henesis Cabrera, Justin Williams, Roel Ramirez for Tommy Pham was not a great trade. Uh, even if Henesis ends up hitting a ceiling, it's a wishy-washy trade at best at that point. Uh, let's not hold that against Henesis. He does have command issues. He has trouble repeating his delivery. Even at the end of the year when he was effective, he was still tipping his pitches. But he is an elite arm, an elite left-handed arm uh, with movement on all of his stuff. A fastball, a changeup, a curve, and a slider. Uh, his curve has gotten better since the beginning of the year, and it's become a weapon. He just needs to work on repeating his mechanics, not losing his mind, and continuing to harness his arsenal. Uh, as we say in his write-up, the most important thing is to remember that he's never going to have anything more than average command. That is his absolute ceiling, uh, which makes him probably just a kick below Jaime Garcia's, Garcia level in effectiveness. He's going to be frustrating. You're going to see how raw he is, and he's not going to be able to command it, and we're all going to be frustrated by it. But, uh, you know, it's something we'll all live with and we'll all get over if he continues to pitch like he's capable of. He's still young. Still has a world ahead of him. Uh, and again, more than likely, he's another guy I would like to see compete for a rotation spot. But he's almost certainly uh, ticketed for a bullpen role. Number one on the actual list is right-handed pitcher Angel Rondon. Now, you guys know that I've been pimping Rondon for just a little bit. And it's because Rondon is low-key good. Uh, I think he's a 3-4 starter type, potentially, if he keeps on his current tra trajectory. Uh, I love his fastball curve combo. I love his changeup. He throws a little cutter slider piece in there somewhere, uh, but it's really good. What impresses me most about Rondon is when you watch him go up against like major leaguers on minor league assignments, or when you watch him uh, like late in games. And Springfield asked him to go late in games sometimes when he didn't have his stuff, his best stuff, and he always handled it. Like he always handled it. And the other thing about Rondon is he's young. He's 22 years old. Still has a huge a huge amount of development and a huge amount of growth, but he also has a super deceptive delivery. And he does a good job of repeating his mechanics. You can tell he throw, he, he slows down his arm just a little bit to throw his changeup in his slider or cutter or whatever you want to call it. Uh, his curveball and his fastball come from the same spot. Uh, Rondon had an amazing year at Springfield. Uh, of all the qualified pitchers at in the Texas League, he had the best season bar none. Now, there's only like 20 pitchers who are qualified pitchers in the Texas League, but he was the best of the group. You know, uh, he just sticks out, and when you see his stuff, you're more impressed with it than you otherwise wouldn't be. 
he flies underneath the radar, and I'm happy to have him as my number one. It reminds me a lot, uh, even though he doesn't have the pure velocity, his velocity is in the low 90s. He might be able to hit 94, 95 on a somewhat consistent basis. But it reminds me a lot of when Ryan Helsley flew underneath the radar uh, and then all of a sudden was just on the scene and now everyone's talking about how dynamic of an arm he has. But number one on our list is Angel Rondon. Number two on our list is Johan Oviedo. Again, Woodford keeps getting pushed down and down the list, but Oviedo started the year at Palm Beach, the six foot six righty out of Cuba, uh, 21 years old. Uh, was dominant in five or six starts at Palm Beach. Absolutely dominant. Uh, no extra bases. Uh, and then what we saw when he got called up to Springfield is he struggled with his command, just like he did at Palm Beach. But the Springfield double-A hitters, more advanced, obviously, they they held off on uh, swinging at his stuff that was borderline. Uh, the most impressive part about Oviedo's season is, you know, he has a good curveball and a good fastball, but his slider has taken some serious steps forward. There are times in a game when his fastball gets into the high 90s, 96, 97, 98, but for the most part, it's a 94, 96 mile an hour pitch. One of the most important things about Oviedo is in the past, he had struggled to maintain velocity through a start, and he didn't have that in 2019, and that's why he had a lot of success. It took him about five starts to get his feet underneath him at Springfield. He had about a 10-start middle there where he was absolutely lights out, one of the best pitchers uh, in the Texas League. Uh, and then he he had a rough end of the year, uh, minus his second-to-last start, which was the best start potentially of his career. You know, with him, he's just going to have to continue to work on command. His command isn't as bad as Henesis Cabrera's is. It's a kick better than that. But you can also tell when he's his command is off because he finishes his motion. He finishes uh, his 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 motion standing straight up. When he's not finishing his motion, that's when his command is off. You, that's usually when he's tired, too. Uh, but that's something worth keeping an eye out for. So that's just a quick little rundown of prospect number two on our starting pitcher list, Johan, Johan Oviedo. Prospect number three on our starting pitching list is right-handed pitcher Griffin Roberts. Now, uh, those of you know, uh, most of you know, that Griffin Roberts was suspended for the first 50 games of the minor league season for uh, cannabis use. And, uh, you know, whatever your views on that, it was against the rules and he did it, so it's whatever. When he came back uh, and was pitching for Palm Beach in 2019, it did not look good. We found out in 2019 that Roberts was susceptible to that one bad inning. He would have one terrible inning and be pretty good for the other three or four or five or however many was in there. Uh, he was in there for. The other thing we found out is, uh, you know, he struggles to throw strikes. Probably, his, you know... After watching him at Palm Beach, it's obvious to say that he has a lot of work to do with his changeup. His slider is still the best slider in the organization, uh, no matter what anyone else says. His fastball can get up to the 95, although for the most part of the year, at the beginning of the year, it was in like the 92 range-ish. Uh, but late in the year, he was getting it up to 95. Uh, I don't think that I took into account how tough missing the first 50 games of the minor league season would be. He was at the Cardinal Spring Training Facility working out, preparing for the season, but he just wasn't ready when it came time. Once he started working through that one bad inning jitters, and that, again, that bad inning was usually early on in the start, you could definitely see him start to come about. He's going to need to throw his slider as often as possible. That's not a kick on his fastball, but it's kind of like the Dakota Hudson thing where Hudson's sinker is only as good as his slider and uh, cutter allow it to be. It's the same thing with Griffin Roberts. Griffin Roberts will always be at his most effective when he's throwing his slider and working his fastball and his two-seamer off of it. Uh, Griffin Roberts had a very, very successful turn in the Arizona Fall League. 
He only walked two batters, struck out a guy per inning, uh, and even though he wasn't one of the standouts in the league, he did a lot to ease some concerns that people had about him. Uh, some talk potentially that he wasn't told he was going to go to the Arizona Fall League. I've heard that from multiple sources. He was just kind of there. Uh, had some velocity issues at the beginning of the Arizona Fall League, but worked on his command. I would imagine Griffin Roberts starts the year at Springfield. There's no reason to send him back to Palm Beach. And I would expect for him, even though he had a terrible year in the Florida State League, which is a concern for pitchers, I would expect him to have a rebound bounce back year in the Texas League. Prospect number four on our list is Jake Woodford. Now, Jake Woodford, for the first half of the year, everyone, right-handed pitcher Jake Woodford, everyone was calling for Jake Woodford to make a major league debut. The Cardinals had need for pitching, and Woodford was doing really well statistically. But what you didn't see in the stats, and what you won't see in the stats, other than by his like 11.7% walk rate, is that Woodford just doesn't trust his stuff. Now, he did a lot to increase his velocity in 2019 on an average basis. In the past, it would go between 90 and 92. This year, it was between 92 and 95 on a consistent basis. We also saw him throw a better changeup and a better curveball. I'm going to call it a curveball. I've had people describe it to me as a slider. When I watch it, it looks like a curve, so I'm going to call it a curve. Uh, the curve is a very, very good pitch when he's using his fastball up, and his fastball is getting up in velocity as well. The issue is he does not attack hitters. When he's attacking hitters, that's when he's at his most effective. But most of the time, he's just nibbling on the corners uh, and down in the zone. And AAA hitters aren't going to chase that stuff. His stuff is good enough that he needs to learn to trust it and get away with it in parts, at points, too. Um, until he learns to trust his stuff, he's always going to be a fringer for me. I do view him as a potential bullpen, a bullpen piece. I do view him as a potential swing guy. In the article, I say he's kind of like Brad Thompson with more velocity. That's what I view him as now, but there is more there. It's just that I don't know what. When you're talking about aggressiveness out of a pitcher, it's like trying to change a hitter's approach. You know, like Harrison Bader. It's like trying to change Harrison Bader's approach. It's not easy to do. It's a confidence issue. It's a comfort issue. So it's going to take a lot of growth mentally. Uh for for Woodford to reach his eventual ceiling, which in my opinion is something close to Dakota Hudson. It's just that he's not there yet. Uh, he needs to have a stronger belief in his stuff before he gets there. Prospect number five on our starting pitching rankings is Alvaro Cejas. Now, uh, shout out to Alvaro Cejas first and foremost for being added to the Cardinals 40-man to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. He will not be drafted by any other team. And also, this kind of gives him a clear path to the major leagues, as crazy as that sounds. You know, don't be surprised if the Cardinals need an arm and they go to him before they go to Woodford. Well, Woodford's on the 40-man, too. But before they, you know, before they go to, like, Rondon or Oviedo uh, uh, or Roberts or Thompson or Losey or whoever it ends up being. Like, he has a spot on the 40-man, which gives him a clear path to the majors if an arm is needed. Congratulations to him there. Another two congratulations go to him because, A, he got himself into great shape entering the 2019 season, which wasn't the case for 2018. Uh, And also, he managed to keep his emotions under control in a better way than he did in 2018. Uh, And and those are all positives. He grew up. You know, he's only 21 years old, and he did a lot of growing up in the 2019 season, between 2018 and 2019, to become the player that the Cardinals added to the 40-man, to become worthy of that 40-man spot. Now, I don't think another team would have taken him, but I don't know for sure. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that the Cardinals were smart for adding him, but I don't think it would have been an issue. Anyways... 
The big area of concern with uh, Alvaro Cejas is that he has a super violent delivery. It's super high effort, super high energy, super violent. He reaches all the way back and whips that thing, and it's not as in control as Carlos Martinez's whip is. Uh, so that's something that that's really interesting. But the problem is it's also like you can't say, hey, you need to clean it up because it creates a certain amount of deception. It allows the curveball, the changeup, and the fastball all to play really well uh, off of each other while creating deception. So you don't really want him to change it that much, but he needs to clean it up a little bit uh, for his own good in the long run. I like Sejas a lot. You know, another good thing about Sejas is after having a terrible uh, turn in the Midwest League uh, for Peoria in 2018, he went back there and proved in 2019 that he had moved past that league. He was young for the league uh, in 2018. He was young for the league in 2019 too. So to see him go to Palm Beach and handle his stuff at Palm Beach at the level he probably should have been at to start the year, uh, even though he didn't earn it, was a huge positive. It proves that he is on the right track. Now, where he will start in 2020, I don't know. My guess is that it'll probably be back in Palm Beach. Uh, But there's always a chance he starts in Springfield, and the Cardinals have a reason to get aggressive with him now that he's on the 40-man. And it's really cool to be able to put Alvaro Cejas on the list because you never knew what you were going to get. And a year ago, it looked like Cejas was was potentially a, a lost prospect. So uh, congratulations to Alvaro Cejas for all of the positive developments on the season. And uh, a continued positive development in 2020 as well. As we get into the honorable mentions, I want to mention one more time that these are kind of in a random order. I will say that the first four names are kind of in a specific order. But they're not in that specific of an order. They're kind of just like grouped in. Uh, prospect number one of our honorable mentions uh, is Evan Krachinski, the lefty. Now, Krachinski spent time between Memphis and Springfield. After a pretty positive Arizona Fall League in 2018, he had just an awful 2019. Uh, I'm a big Krachinski guy. I am not giving up on him. I thought about putting him ahead of Alvaro Cejas still. The issue with Krachinski is that he just... I can't figure it out to save my life as I rub my head out of frustration. You know, it's really interesting. There was a game earlier in the year when Yachty was uh, rehabbing at AA where Krachinski pitched like the pitcher that we saw in 2018. He was commanding all his stuff. He was using it right. It was really, really exciting. And that was probably his best start of the year or second best start of the year. What I see out of Evan Krachinski that led to his abysmal 2019 was, A, I think that he speeds up uh, his entire body when he throws his fastball. Uh, B, he does leave way too much over the middle of the plate. He works low, and he's not afraid to go in on righties, in particular the lefty, as a lefty, rather. Uh, But sometimes that forces him to leave stuff over the middle of the plate, and righties get a hold of that. Lefties get a hold of that, too, and put it over the wall. Uh, I think he let up 22 home runs in 2019. That's a big concern. Uh, And then three, and this was something that my good friend Colin Garner brought to my attention, uh, three, it just seems like he was told to throw his changeup a lot. And hitters kind of sat on it and victimized him because of it. And if you if you can sit on the changeup but recognize the difference in mechanics for a fastball, uh, you are at an advantage as a hitter. So I think that's part of the reason why Krachinski really struggled in 2019. You do see those signs, though, of him being the pitcher that I think he's capable of, a potential major league pitcher. It's just a matter of if he's going to make the adjustments entering 2020. Keep an eye on left-handed pitcher Evan Krachinski. I'm sure he'll start at Memphis, and hopefully he rebounds in 2020. Prospect, uh, the next honorable mention is right-hander Tommy Parsons. Tommy Parsons was a big deal uh, in the, on the Division Three circuit, set a bunch of records, 
Uh, he's a great kid, a smart kid, uh, undrafted, signed by the Cardinals in 2018 after the 2018 draft. Made a quick ascent through the Cardinal system. By the end of the year, he was making his debut at Memphis. Had a rough start at Memphis after the first inning. He settled down and pitched really well. Uh, I would say that he has the most underrated changeup in the organization. It's filthy, filthy stuff. His curveball can be really good, too. The problem is he, the problem is he's not consistent with it. Uh, his fastball can be in the 92 to 95 range. I've seen starts where it stays 94, 95. Uh, I've seen starts where it dips down to 91. There's a chance that that could very well just be uh, each individual stadium's gun. It's hard to tell, uh, but we know that he's a 91 to 95 mile an hour fastball thrower with a pretty decent curve that still has a lot of work to do and a changeup that's super underrated with that, within the organization. For this type of player to already be at Memphis and to already make a, a little bit of headway at Springfield is a huge positive, but he still has a lot of work to do with command. Uh, and, you know, uh, in the article, I kind of compare him to Jason Simon Tachi. I don't know if he has that kind of major league career, but what I'm getting at there is he's just kind of a guy who flies underneath the radar uh, until he's on your radar and doing a little something something uh, why people are asking questions about who in the hell he is. Tommy Parsons is a great story, a great kid, a smart baseball man, and a good baseball arm. And I would imagine that there's a major league debut in his future, and I'm anxious to see what 2020 tells us about the possibilities of what it'll look like. The next honorable mention is right-handed pitcher Alex Fagalde. Now, Fagalde is a bit of a, 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 a case for me. I've never been a big Fagalde guy. You know, everyone talks about how great his command is. I think it's really good. I, I don't know if there's a pitcher with better command in the organization. I'll hold off my thoughts on that. But I will say it's good command. I just don't think it's spectacular. He had a really successful turn at the lower levels of the minor leagues. And even when he came to Springfield in 2019, he was putting up statistically successful numbers. And it looked like it was sustainable. But when you watch the videotape, the, the, the actual in-game tape of Alex Fagalde, you saw a pitcher who got hit hard. I mean hard. It's just that it was a lot of hard and loud outs right at people. A lot of times right at outfielders and a lot of times on line drives at 100 plus miles an hour. It was crazy. Uh, he was a super lucky pitcher. And then we saw that luck in August start to dissipate. Uh, it, we saw him start to struggle. We saw him start to nibble. The more, the harder he got hit, the more he nibbled, which, it, you know, this is the issue with the guy who only throws about 90 miles an hour and who lives on the corners is when people start hitting that, where do you go? Well, you go off the plate and then eventually you find your way back on the plate. And that's when advanced hitters victimize you. I think Alex Fagalde, and again, he ended up getting hurt at the end of the year. Uh, I believe he finished the season on the IL. I'm not 100% sure. Again, they pay me the big bucks. Um, anyways, I, uh, if he's healthy in 2020, he's the kind of guy who I think would benefit from moving to the bullpen. I'm not a fan of starting pitchers moving to the bullpen until they absolutely have to. But the Cardinals have put renewed emphasis on this type of player pitching out of the bullpen at the minor league level with the intent of getting him to the majors as quick as possible. I think that that would help the velocity on Fagalde. I think it would help his stuff play up, and I think it would help his confidence level. Uh, I don't think there's a world where Fagalde is a starting pitcher in the long run, but I definitely think he's a bullpen option moving forward. The next prospect in our honorable mentions list is left-handed pitcher Steve Gindry. Now, Gindry uh, was a high sign. Uh, it cost about $850,000 for the Cardinals to sign out of Texas Tech. He had just suffered Tommy John or suffered an elbow injury, a UCL tear, and underwent Tommy John in February of 2018 when the Cardinals drafted him in June of 2018. Uh, Gindry has yet to pitch more than two-thirds 
of an inning at the GCL level since the surgery in February of 2018. Uh, it, from what I understand, the little stint in GCL, he, he did not feel comfortable. He could not get his arm up. His velocity dipped super quick. And that's why the Cardinals were quick to pull him after only two-thirds of an inning during the 2019 season. Uh, it's really simple. Gendry, he has a great changeup. He does a great job of repeating his mechanics. His fastball is average at about 90, but has decent movement. Has a curve and potentially a slider that are interesting pitches. Uh, but he's an honorable mention on this list while he gets a lot of publicity on every other list. Because until he's pitching affiliated baseball and healthy, I can't legitimately put him on the list. His stuff is good enough to warrant uh, a spot on nearly any list. On any list. But... I'm going to exercise a little bit more caution until I know that he is pitching and pitching effectively uh, with velocity and showing that he's healthy doing it. So that's uh, that honorable mention, left-handed Steve Gendry. Uh, next pitcher is right-handed pitcher Francisco Justo. Now, Justo had a really successful year at uh, Johnson City for the Cardinals. Justo's a fun story. A 12th-round pick out of Monroe College. Uh, he was scouted out of high school. And could not go to college because of a family issue. Rob Raines wrote a great article on STL Sports page that you're absolutely going to want to check out. Uh, but the deal is he had to quit playing baseball, get a job to support his family. And it wasn't until uh, getting through that tough situation with his family that he could start playing baseball again. Went to Monroe College. It's a JUCO. Uh, and was drafted by the Cardinals in the 12th round. From what I understand about Justo, he's a 92 to 95. Again, right in that Pretty well lives in the 93-mile-an-hour fastball area. Now, when he was drafted, it was reported that he had a dynamite slider. And when you watch video of him around draft time, it was a great slider. But everyone keeps telling me that he has a curveball. Now, I haven't personally seen the curveball, but I, I can't help but wonder if the curve and the slider are being mischaracterized. Uh, I will say that if people want to call it a curve, it's fine. I will say that it's nasty, too. As you would expect with any 21-year-old that missed a little bit of time playing baseball, that is super raw coming from a Juco. There's a lot of work that needs to be done with Justo. He's skinny. He could use a little bulking up. He's like six foot four, so he's got the frame to do it. Uh, you know, he needs a third offering. You'll, nearly all pitchers need a third offering. It's just a matter of how long it takes for it to be effective. And just repeating the mechanics are all the big things. Now, he had... Like one bad start at Johnson City that really screwed up his numbers. But after that one start, he was super effective. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the, the Appalachian League playoffs. Only went four and a two-thirds in one of his starts. But he was dynamite in the other. And he's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, a lot of people like Ludwig Jimenez. They view him as the best starting pitcher for the Cardinals at the lower levels. I'll take Justo. I, I did not write... Pardon me, I did not write about Ludwig Jimenez. I decided against it. That might end up backfiring in the long run. But... That's that were I just decided to stop there. I've I've talked about enough guys uh, and guys that I'm more interested in and know more about. So uh, that's Francisco Justo, and uh, I think that a lot of people will be super interested in him as he makes his way through uh, through the system uh, up the ladder. The next pitcher on our list is a uh, uh, right-handed pitcher. Michael Baird. Now, Michael Baird's an interesting guy. He went to Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. He's had a few injuries. He was a 23rd round pick in 2018. And also, the Cardinals held him back at extended spring training to start the 2019 season. I thought for sure he'd start as a starter in Peoria, but the Cardinals decided to hold him back. I don't know what that was about. I'm not sure if it was injury-related or preparedness-related. Your guess is better than mine. But what I do know for a fact is that when he came back, uh, when he came back, 
and eventually started pitching in uh, affiliated baseball, he was pretty damn good. The Cardinals kind of went back and forth between using him as a starter and using him as a reliever. And uh, every time he seemed to do okay. He has a fastball that's heavy. You can tell it's super heavy. And he has mechanics that are a little quirky that make it hard for him to repeat. Uh, He's very, very deliberate in his mechanics. uh, And that's a concern for me. You know, if there's something that kind of throws him off, you can see that he's thrown off. I like his fastball slider combination. Uh, I think his changeup needs a lot of work. But I think he's the kind of guy that, you know, probably is organizational depth in the long run, but is intriguing enough that you keep a close eye on and keeps putting up good stats and good stats and you want to know more and more about. Uh, Truth be told, at the time of the draft, Baird was a big, I was a big fan of Baird. I like him a lot. This is just as much a uh, uh, personal favorite type addition uh, as it is anything else. But keep an eye on Michael Baird, big boy. In my opinion, he had a very, very successful 2019 season. Uh, at four different levels, pitching at State College, Palm Beach, Peoria. Uh, I think he de- he finished the year at Springfield, although he had a tough uh, a tough uh, uh, debut at Springfield. But he doesn't let up much in the way of slug. I think he on the season in um, uh, sixteen or seventeen appearances, the slug against was below three hundred. The batting average was right against was right at two hundred. And he just throws a heavy pitch. He needs to work on throwing more strikes and repeating his delivery. But he could very well be like that multi-inning reliever type that the Cardinals have been working relentlessly to build. Prospect number, or prospect number, Jesus. Right-handed pitcher Perry Delavella is our next honorable mention. His last name is D-E-L-L-A-V-A-L-L-E. But the E and the A are swapped when you pronounce his name. So it's like Perry Delavella, Delavella, I believe. I'm going to call him Delavella. Della Vale all the time, but it's Della Vela. Uh, anyways, look, the reason I wanted to incorporate him, other than he's had successful turns with the Cardinals, he throws a ton of strikes, gets a ton of swings, uh, uh, is that he's a perfect example of why it's really tough to invest in a success at the minor league level. He doesn't do anything particularly well. He doesn't have a, a, anything more than an average fastball or an average change. He has above average command. Uh, an average slider, uh, but he what he does is he has good enough command that he can just absolutely bully hitters at the lower levels because he can command the strike zone, he can command the corners, and he gets strikes on pitches that are balls uh, by commanding those corners. And hitters at the lower levels can't do much about it. Usually, this lasts until a pitcher gets through Palm Beach. We've seen it with Mike O'Reilly. We saw it with Alex Fagalde. Uh, uh, usually, this is the type of pitcher. Once he gets to the next level, he struggles. Now, we won't know for sure. Delavella's season, Delavella's season ended in July. Uh, I believe it was an arm-related injury. I'm not 100% sure. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But Perry Delavella has been a very, very productive arm for the St. Louis Cardinals at the minor league level. Again, we're talking about a piece that is basically just organizational depth, uh, but could end up being more than that if a bullpen roll ends up suiting him really well. We're just going to have to wait. Hold on, I need a drink. I'll wait for health and hope for the best. The last honorable mention... Uh, and there's one other guy we're going to talk about. But the last honorable mention on our list is Dalton Roach, a right-handed pitcher. Dalton Roach is a really fun story. Uh, the Division II starting pitcher who set a bunch of records and was the winner of the Brett Tomko Award in 2017. He was drafted in 2018. Was drafted in 2018 in the 21st round by the Houston Astros. 
Uh, the Astros wanted to lowball sign him, from what I understand, and he wouldn't take it. He wanted more money. Uh, so he didn't sign with the Astros and went and played for the River City Rascals here in the uh, in the St. Louis area in a town called O'Fallon. Pitched nearly all uh, of 2018 there. Well, the Cardinals signed him in 2019 and, uh, you know, worked him out a little bit. And believe it or not, I had no intent of writing about him. By the way, another thing about Dalton Roach is that he is, uh, when he was at Division II, he was like a, 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 an academic All-American there uh, for the, at the Division II level. So he's a smart kid, too. But I had no intent of writing about Dalton Roach. It was when I was just watching games researching people that I was like, wow, this kid's really interesting. I want to know more about him. And between his story uh, and the fact that he told the Astros to F off, I couldn't help but like love this guy and want to write about him and want to talk about him. Now... He's really, really good as a right-handed thrower against lefties. He's like 6'2", 200 pounds. You can tell he's thick. He does a great job of repeating his mechanics. He gets a lot of ugly swings with his changeup in particular. I haven't been able to get a solid reading on his fastball. It seems like it's the 90-92 area, but it plays up. I guess because teams are on their heels waiting for that changeup, it allows him to blow his 90-92 to mile-an-hour fastball by a lot of hitters and get ugly swings on it. His curve or slider or breaking pitch, whatever it is, is not particularly good. And he definitely needs to do a better job of commanding his stuff. Uh, Right now, his command, I would say, is average at best. And he leaves too much over the middle of the plate. But he was also really, really, really effective uh, for... Now, again, he he went through three different levels. He was at Johnson City. He had like a two-appearance at State College. And then uh, he finished the year at Peoria. His stats at State College were nothing worth getting excited about. Uh, actually, they were pretty terrible, if we're being honest. Uh, and then he went to those little couple of tastes there of State College, and it was like, huh, that's interesting. And his he had like a, a a batting average against at Peoria in six starts at Peoria of like 240 and a slug against the 304. And his OBP against was 633, and that was aided by a... 11% walk rate. So you know he's going to have to do a better job of lowering those walks. But he also had about a 24% K rate. Now, of those six starts, if you take out his worst one, which was a four, uh, where he allowed six runs over four and two-thirds of an inning, then Roach struck out 26 and 29 in a third inning while allowing a batting average against of .27 and a slugging percentage against of .255. Uh, this is a, a pitcher, in my opinion. Roach is a pitcher, in my opinion, that is capable of being challenged at Springfield, whether it be as a bullpen piece or as a rotation piece in 2020. He's old. I think he's already 24. I could be wrong about that. Uh, Maybe 23. I think he'll be 24 in like April of next year. That's what it is. The Cardinals would do well to be aggressive with him. I was really impressed with Dalton Roach. I I think that that fastball changeup combo is impressive, and I think it has staying power. Uh, uh, When I say staying power, too, I don't mean like as a major league piece. I mean in the minor leagues for a couple years. Keep an eye on Dalton Roach. He's a super interesting kid. Uh, and then our last name, who kind of gets a little hat tip, is right-handed pitcher Anthony Shu. Shu dominated the Texas League uh, for Springfield in 2019. Went to Memphis, got beat around a little bit. And then, uh, as you'll see in the GIF in the article, he hurt his arm in some capacity. It looks like a shoulder to me. It didn't look like an elbow injury. Uh, that happened on, oh man, now I don't remember. It happened at the end of July. Oh, no, it happened in June, my bad, and he didn't pitch again. I don't know if he underwent Tommy John surgery. I don't know what the diagnosis was. Uh, 
I didn't want to write about a guy so much that was injured. Uh, unlike De La Vella, who didn't really have like an inciting injury. He just kind of went on the DL. And I didn't really know what the issue was with De La Vella. I know it was an arm injury, arm issue, arm injury with uh, Anthony Shue. So I, I kind of left him off the list, but wanted to give him an honorable mention for the great season that he had or was having in 2019 before he got hurt. Uh, so to Anthony Shu, you know, just a, a quick little shout out and hopefully he's healthy and is ready to go because he's a really interesting arm too. You know, all of these guys, you know, Baird, Roach, Justo, Fagalde, Parsons, Krachinski, although, you know, they're not all the same hand. Uh, or they don't throw from the same hand, rather. They all are kind of the same, 90 to 95 with a really, really good secondary offering and a third pitch that's interesting and command to work on. Uh you know, to round out the list, I feel confident that all five of the guys on the list, uh, beyond Helsley and Cabrera, Rondon, Oviedo, Roberts, Woodford, and Sejas will all make a major league debut. After that, I'm not sure. Uh, but I do think guys like Kuczynski and Parsons, uh, and those are probably the, the next two best bets to make a major league debut with Fagalte, a healthy Gindry, Baird and Roche as a hard, hard outside and just so far away. Uh, but those are the 16 guys and 15 write-ups. Uh, actually, yeah, the 16 guys and 15 write-ups that we are going to talk about today as we wrap up the starting pitching rankings in the Cardinals organization. Again, our graduates are Ryan Helsley and Henesis Cabrera. Our one through five is Angel Rondon, Johan Oviedo, Griffin Roberts, Jake Woodford, and Alvaro Sejas. And our honorable mentions are Evan Kuczynski, Tommy Parsons, Alex Fagalde, Stephen Gindry, Francisco Justo, Michael Baird, Perry De La Vela, Dalton Roach and Anthony Hsu. Stick around. Tomorrow we will have the draft, the, the draftees, uh, the pitching drafted players from the 2019 draft. We go over five of those guys in great detail. Uh, mention really quick a couple of the guys, and then talk about two guys who might be wild cards from the draft. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this. As always, you can find me on Twitter at kyler416. I take great pride in bringing this to you. Uh, this is the most proud I've ever been of anything I've ever done. Uh, uh, in the writing world or maybe even in like my professional life. And I hope you were all enjoying it. If there's anything I can do to make it more pleasing or better for you, please let me know. Uh, I stand by that. You won't find a more uh, concise and thorough write-up of the Cardinals organization than what you're getting in these eight write-ups and these eight podcasts. Uh, and I hope that you enjoy and I hope that you're happy with it. Uh, and I take a tremendous amount of pride in it. So uh, for everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, thank you so much for sticking with us uh, as we start our third year here on Black Friday of uh, Birds on the Black. Uh, if you are listening to this, you're part of the resistance. And as always, happy hunting, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>